from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Chris Bury from DePaul University, Hermaine Hartman, founder and publisher of Endigo, Michael Lotus, Trump supporter, and Chris Roebling, a veteran political analyst. Our program tonight coming to you from our own base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago at 1-800-723-8029. That's the number to give us a call, 1-800-723-8029. If you want to email me a comment, it's brucedumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at dumo, at D-U-M-O. And, of course, you can join us live uh, at beyondthebeltway.com. And also, you can see the archives of our past shows. And also, we are live on Facebook. Go to uh, Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont. You can watch us live uh, every Sunday night on Facebook. Again, we got a lot, a lot to talk about this evening. And one of the things uh, that we're going to talk about at the beginning of the broadcast this evening is a continuation of a conversation we began last week. And that's about the role of the media and whether or not Donald Trump's use of the word fake news and referring to the media as enemy of the people, uh, you know, it, it gets a positive reaction from many of his supporters, but is it good uh, for the country? And the Boston Globe, one of the country's leading newspapers, has now called for editorial writers all over the United States from all political stripes on August 16th to come out with strong editorials against the president and his rhetoric. So I'm going to begin this evening with you, Chris Bury. You're a veteran a reporter and, again, many years, a Peabody Award-winning a, a correspondent with Ted Koppel on Nightline. And, again, you're now a, a senior journalist at uh, DePaul University in Chicago. Nice to have you with us. And my question to you is, uh, as a former journalist or current journalist, uh, is it a good idea for a major newspaper to sort of engage in somewhat of a public conspiracy to go after the president on a particular day? Does it, does that question, ring right I with you? I would question the use of the word conspiracy. Uh, the Boston Globe has suggested that other newspaper editorial boards, and again, these are not the news pages, but the editorial pages, um, respond in some way to President Trump's very divisive and dangerous attacks on the news media as enemy of the people and as unpatriotic. Uh, as I understand it, the Boston Globe is not uh, dictating these. Each of the newspapers will write its own editorial, should it choose, and um, they are uh, going to respond, I would assume, to these attacks from Trump on the news media. Michael, nice to have you with us. Always a pleasure to have you here on our program. My question to you, sir, is... Do you challenge the word conspiracy here? Michael Lotus. Conspiracy suggests to me concealment, and I think they're doing it openly, okay. so I don't think it's a conspiracy. But um, the, the liberal bias of the news media for decades has been pretty open and obvious, and the degree of deference that Republican candidates have shown to people who are absolutely on the other side year after year has always puzzled me. Trump's style is what it is. But I'm glad he's called them out. And his rhetoric aside, this is a good conversation to be having. And Hermaine Hartman, you are the other member of the media this evening. Uh, you're a longtime publisher and founder of Indigo Magazine. Uh, what's your reaction to the Boston Globe move? I think it's a good move. I think it's a good thing to do. Our president is berserk. He's gone wild. And I think what he's done and talked about the press, fake news, and called the press enemy of the people, it goes from insult to just absolute outrageous. 
So he needs checking, and if that's a way to check him, let's do it. Chris Roebling, one of our conservative commentators tonight. Your reaction? Well, look, let's not kid ourselves. The press is overwhelmingly biased against Trump. And I don't think there can be any reasonable disagreement with that. Trump also is his own worst enemy when he says things like this and when he uses terms like that. But you got to understand, I think, that there are decades and decades of experience. I remember Jerry Ford, uh, a, a very close to his, the top of his class at Yale Law School, was a dumb klutz. I remember when Ronald Reagan was a cowboy second-rate actor who was going to bring on World War III. I remember when George W. Bush was out of touch with normal America because he, quote, didn't understand a, a, a price scanner, when, in fact, the actual conversation going on that the New York Times misrepresented about Bush 41 was about the type of price scanner because Bush was so in touch. Okay, Chris, let me ask. Let's go back to Chris Bury. I want to do you acknowledge any of Chris's assessments of the media? The media is biased in favor of finding out stories and finding the truth and finding objective facts. Um, Donald Trump, from his first day in office, when he lied about the size of his inauguration crowd, or at least told a exaggerated, exaggerated, <laughs> told a falsehood, uh, what have you, um, has shown an utter disregard for the facts. The Washington Post keeps uh, running tabulation, and as of now, according to the Post. Uh, Mr. Trump has uttered more than 4,200 falsehoods since the day he took office. So I think a lot of journalists have a real trouble with uh, Trump's twisting of of the truth and his continual use of falsehoods. I don't think it's a political bias against Donald Trump. during, During the campaign, did you find it curious at all that the Washington Post had about, I think it was 78 reporters that were just focused on Donald Trump, a newspaper focusing 78 experienced journalists looking into every aspect of Donald Trump, and I don't recall a similar amount uh, being asked to look into Hillary Clinton or any other president. Or Barack Obama. Before, before that time. Do you, do, you, I mean, do you find that curious, at, the, at, at least the origin of, of the opposition from the Washington Post? Well, it's, it is interesting and I think gratifying that the Washington Post has that kind of budget in a time when newspapers are getting obliterated. Um, but, you know, I've covered presidents in Washington. I covered Bill Clinton for nine years. Uh, the, the press and, and our reporting, and by the way, I was the lead reporter for Nightline on yes. the Lewinsky scandal and the Star Report. Mm, right. Bill Clinton got horrible press at a time when he wanted to talk about a booming economy. Trump is now making the same kind of complaint. And, you know, I'm not hearing that, uh, you know, people, that the press was uh, biased against Clinton, but that's the charge that that we heard. But as as a professor... Presidents don't like when they they are criticized. As a professor of of journalism now, or the senior journalist in residence, I mean, I can tell you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know, we go back many, many years. When I would watch you... I'd sometimes get a sense of where Ted Koppel's politics were. When you were doing a report or where you were host subbing for Ted, I never knew where your, what your politics were. And I'm wondering, as a journalism professor now, when you look at CNN or Fox or MSNBC, can you say to yourself as a, as a professional now, 
you know, this, this guy is over the line. Well, I, I think that absolutely the media landscape has changed radically. And you grew up in an era, and I grew up in an era when there were three networks, and then CNN came along as kind of, you know, we used to call it the chicken noodle network because it was so poorly funded, you know, when it came out. Now we have, you know, Fox on the, on the right and MSNBC on the left, and we have opinion and punditry taking the place the airtime of real reporting, and I, I think want, that is. Quick point. I want, I quick want to come point. back. We got, we got to go to a break. Quick point. You're here you go, Jim Acosta here, or no, Chris Beery <laughs> here, Acosta here. Okay, good point. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. Back shortly with your calls. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 760- 799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. We've got uh, members of the media here, and we have two Republicans here, and they're disagreeing on, on a lot of stuff. I want to go back to you, uh, Hermaine. Um, do you think that the uh, Trump supporters have any reason at all to complain that virtually all of the coverage on network television is negative? No. I think everybody's out of control, Bruce. I think one of the things we have to realize is we're in a new world, okay? It's called digital. So uh, it's sinful that CNN and, and Fox and some of these stations, that's all they do is run commentary all day long and not do some real reporting and some real in-depth there, there are a uh, couple. Of, there are a couple of exceptions. Brett Baer on Fox, okay, and Shepard Smith, okay, but who I think may be more <laughs> left of center with his comments than any of the big three network but anchors. Here, here's the point: in today's society, everybody is a journalist, yes. thanks to Facebook, thanks to YouTube, thanks to podcasts. So we can all offer our opinions and the professionalism of our uh, of our profession of media profession. Uh, is in question. Now, it's in question on two sides. It's in question on the Trump side, and it's in question on our side. What do you cover? You just said Washington Post, 78 reporters yeah. on, uh, on, on the president of the United right. States. That's a bit extreme. Right. That's, that's obnoxious. I mean, what are you going to do? He wore black shoes today. He wore red well, tie Well, a, a question it's, that it's, I would have is, are... Uh, you know, obviously the Boston Globe is leading this this effort to focus on August 16th. But isn't one of the realities, Chris, that newspapers really they really don't matter that much anymore? Oh. Other than oh. the New York, the, other than the New York Times, sort of sets the stage 
for the big three evening newscasts and cable television. Well, I mean, newspapers have been decimated economically and outside of a few, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times. Um, they Tribune. Don't, they don't have the staffs that they once did. Um, do editorials still matter? Who knows? I mean, we know that most of the editorials during the 2016 campaign were in favor of Hillary Clinton. Obviously, those editorials didn't carry much weight at the end of the day. That said, they do help set the agenda in local markets, and very influential people still read the newspaper, including the editors of the television and radio stations. So they have a power beyond their circulation. But that's my my point, is that the newspapers went for Hillary, but Facebook went for Trump. Mm, I'm not ah, well, they, I don't know, but they were at least split. The point that Chris right, made is that's about the, point. The, the, the economic model for the newspapers doesn't work anymore. The, 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 the elephant in the room is Craigslist. Craigslist destroyed the value of your classified ads, which was one of the great money makers for newspapers. Right. So this one guy doing something shook the whole foundations of our political system because he was trying to make some money, right? But on, on this business of newspapers still have a function, to, and, and what I will call classic media doing real investigative journalism, right? I think of Cheryl Atkinson, who writes for herself, I think, and um, Kim Strassel at the Wall Street Journal are both great, and they're digging in and they're bringing things to light that you don't see otherwise. This is room for this, but funding it, getting, getting you know, a, a making a living at it seems to be hard. But there's still space for this, but I, I do think the fact that the news sections have become editorialized is a huge problem. I think that we are, we're in, a, obviously, a new ecosystem for, for media, but what is disappointing to me about newspapers, and I celebrate the Boston Globe leading whatever charge it wants to lead. And, mm-hmm. you know, years ago we had folks leading charges against, you know, for the moratorium or against the war in Vietnam or for Earth Day. I mean, you know, there are a lot of different examples of newspaper publishers getting together and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and saying things that were very deeply felt about Nixon resigning, for instance, et cetera. That's fine. That's great. I celebrate. That's the whole First Amendment. In my humble opinion, the problem with the newspapers can come down to the kind of, in my opinion, overwhelmingly biased, 95% negative. And that's not me. That's all of the different independent watchdogs who are looking at written, who are looking at the agenda setters and, and, and saying, look, 95% of events since the guy took office. And I was not a Trump voter. And I urged people on this program and others to think three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten times before voting for Trump. But he's there. And not everything, you know, the experience of people in the United States has not been 95% negative. And I think that as long as journalism, whether it's broadcast or podcast or, or, or print, keeps telling everybody 95% of everything that's going on is bad, that is going to accentuate to the Trump supporters how out of touch they are. And I think there are a lot of people in the middle who do not identify with that 95% is hell and misery narrative. Chris Urey. The problem with that is that we have a president who is using the rhetoric of tyrants. When you call the news media the enemy of the people, Mm -hmm. that is the language that people like Stalin and Mao used. That is unacceptable for a United States president. He's called the media unpatriotic. And to quote from his rally in Pennsylvania the other day, uh, we are horrendous, horrible people. 
Um, I think the White House has got to step back from that because it is going to get somebody hurt. As Brett Stevens, a conservative writer for the New York Times, said he got a death threat from someone who wanted to shoot him with an automatic rifle. Mm-hmm. C-SPAN, two people, uh, were CNN reporters, were named by a caller who said he wanted to shoot them. This is dangerous territory, and I think that uh, Brett Stevens is correct that if a member of the media is hurt, you know, Trump's going to have blood on his hands. But, and, would, you, and but the, would you also acknowledge, though, that all, regardless of, of the, the level of, of, of uh, just vile that somehow the president frequently utters when it comes to the media, uh, it, it is he's exercising his First Amendment right. It's fine. Just as the Boston Globe is going to exercise theirs. So how can you say to a president, because, again, if if you wanted to buy ad time, as you know, you can't censor a candidate who wants to buy advertising. They basically a candidate for federal office. A candidate for federal office. Well, the question, they can say the, the question is the language presidential. Of course the president is entitled to his opinion. Well, but he hasn't but, uttered but, anything but no, that's particularly presidential. And I just no don't president think we has should ever called the press that. the enemy of the people. That's in, I don't that's think that's beyond, right. Beyond Franklin Roosevelt was pretty harsh against well, the people. He never called us the enemy I, of the I don't know if that's right. The yes, fact is the people on the left have basically been saying that Trump is a tyrant. He's Hitler from since he basically started this campaign. And as a result, if we want to say that somebody's attribution of malice to somebody leads to violence, we had a Bernie supporter, unhinged guy, try to assassinate the entire House Republican leadership, and it's a miracle he only shot one guy. I, so I, this is happening on both sides. I ask, what, what is the meaning of an effete core of impudent snobs? I mean, except for enemy of the people. That, of course, was Patrick Buchanan's phrase that was written for Spiro Agnew's delivery Back when the Nixon White House was objecting to a fascination with Watergate, that it that that uh, right and Spiro Agnew Spiro called Agnew the media was, nattering nabobs of negativism. Exactly, those pale in comparison to the language that we are somehow unpatriotic and horrendous. I beg to differ. I, well, how, how do right. you if if you uh, you said earlier CNN is is counting Trump's. Um, Eras or lies or the whatever Washington you Post. want to call them. Yeah. Washington, Washington Post. Post, I'm They're sorry. It's 4,000. They're, they're holding the tally. It's over 4,000. So if we, the press, say, let's check the facts and we find something wrong with that, that doesn't make you the enemy of the people. No, uh, well, I agree I mean, with that. But, the, I mean, okay, I think but, they, but, I think but wait. But why are we here's, – here's where I am, and here's what I said a long time ago. When Trump was going through his birthing thing on Obama – why the hell did we give coverage to that? That was as silly, as ridiculous, as outrageous as you possibly could Well, because could you be. had hundreds of thousands of people that, that, that wanted to ask that same question. Well, I, I think yeah, that you also, had a, very you also had a lack of Obama being as forthcoming as he Yeah, Obama brought that on himself. But I do want to say, oh. you're, you've got oh, your really? finger on How no, so? No, no, I want to say. We don't have his college records. We took him forever to come up with You don't have Trump's uh, no, taxes. Okay. And that, and that doesn't so, make Trump right. Then, then oh. beat him up about well, it. Who has said oh, that he's we right? We never so got so it from how about, Obama. But I want, how about I, if no, this no, entire want, country thinks about qualifications for this thing called President of the United States, and why don't we put some changes in place? Because right now anybody can run, well, right? We, I, so and, why and, don't and, we say you have, to be, you, you, know, you have to be a naturalized citizen, you have to be a certain age. That's it. That's I'm all the qualifications, right? The greatness of America is anybody can run, but also anybody can vote. 
and some people are, are only, not voting. Uh, some I, I, some this, people are uneducated in their votes. Hermine is on the, the she's on the board on the big wave on this one. In my humble opinion, you're at the you're at the tall pole in the tent. Here is why Trump birtherism was coverage covered incessantly right. by Fox News and by Greta. Why ratings? What what and and, right. and this is another fundamental shift. We all, I dare say, maybe the youngest among us, not so much, but we all grew up at a time when Mr. Paley told um, Edward Armerell. No, not Edward, the, Walter Cronkite. The one that I knew. Um, uh, Whatever. Good guy. Told somebody. The, the president of CBS News, Ed, Fre- Fred Friendly. Fred Friendly. He told Fred Friendly, you are the news division. Spend what you need. I have friends who work for ABC. They would go into the basement. They were heading off to do something on the Contras. The guys in the, in the, in the cage in the basement handing out $100 bills, literally $50,000 of $100 bills, so that when you got to Guatemala or, or Nicaragua, you, were, you had some cash to get yourself out of there if you needed there, in those days, NBC News spent a fortune flying people around. There was a news breaking out. People were on a, a, a charter jet going to wherever. And they were proud of that, and they didn't have profit pressure. And we all know about Ed Joyce, great times, bad times, you know, who stole CBS. That whole thing changed in the mid-'80s. So you're blaming the news. In other no, words, no, no, no. I am the, blaming well, no, no, the no, corporate the, the, takeover the, of the well, news the divisions, corporate. which, in my humble opinion— Put everything subject to the bottom line. Enter, enters get Facebook. Reaction. We'll get Chris's reaction to that as well. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. We've got four great guests this evening. We're going to let them introduce themselves to you right now. And we begin with Hermaine Hartman. I am the publisher of Indigo and the founder of Indigo. And I write about pop culture and political happenings. Michael Lotus. I'm an attorney in Chicago. I'm the co-author of a book called America 3.0, Why America's Greatest Days Are Yet to Come, and perhaps some future tomes that are all currently in the works. Chris Bury. I'm the senior journalist in residence at DePaul University, spent 30 years at ABC News, where I was a correspondent in Washington and around the world. And Chris Roebling. Good evening. Uh, happy to be back. I uh, was wandering around one day outside the program. Bruce invited me in. Uh, I think I've been on now. <laughs> 35 years ago. Not that I'm older, <laughs> although I think I did have more hair when I started. 
I think you did as well. Uh, one of the other big stories of this past week, it uh, broke a few days ago, and that is that Amorosa, who was a key advisor to the President of the United States, she, of course, uh, one of the big stars that came out of uh, The Apprentice on NBC. Uh, she was uh, either fired or resigned uh, several months ago. She has now written a new book, and in that book she alleges that uh, uh, the, the President has used the, the N-word, and it has created quite a stir. She got a lot of coverage on the Sunday morning shows today, and uh, Hermaine Hartman, let me begin with you. Um, what has been the uh, the popularity of Amorosa in the black communities of America? Zero, none. Okay, I doubt if she was an advisor to uh, President Trump. I think she was in the room, and I think she was around, but I don't think she was a real advisor to Trump. Um, no surprise that Trump used the N-word. There's no surprise as to any word. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, so... We have him on record for saying offensive things about women, all right? So for him to say some offensive things about black people, that would just be par mm-hmm. uh, for the president and for the course and for his language and so forth. So Amarosa has revealed that through secondhand sources of what she's heard, but she's heard the tape. And then she talks about her hire, her firing uh, that she taped right. um, in the... Uh, situational room that I guess is illegal. You all just, the lawyer just told me that was illegal to do because you don't tape in the situation room. But it was a smart move on her part, Mm -hmm. I think, to tape it uh, because I don't think she knew what was really going on. So uh, I think she's at ground zero with the black community. So so this, this book and the brouhaha that is currently circling in the, in the national news media uh, isn't going to have a big impact uh, with the African-American people. I wouldn't say it wouldn't have a big impact, but I mean, so what? Trump said nigger. We surprised at that? Are you kidding me? Nobody's shocked by that. That's par. He didn't say the N-word. I resent the N-word. Say the, say the word. It's nigger. That's Michael. the word. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of what this woman said. I don't know how reliable or trustworthy she is. She's clever enough to you know, say something shocking enough to get a lot of attention to promote her book, which is... You know what one does, I suppose. Um, I'd frankly be surprised if Trump said that. He's he's been pretty astute about advancing his career all these years in the entertainment business. He has sports figures who he's been publicly friends with. You know, maybe he said it. I don't know. I, I don't think it's necessarily par for the course. It's pretty bad, and it would be pretty damaging. You to him. would be surprised yeah, if I Trump would, said the N word. Yeah, I would. Oh, because here's stop why. it. You no, know, I would. I really would. Uh, the whole notion that Trump's a horrible racist is inconsistent with his conduct over his entire professional career. It's inconsistent with the policies he's put in place contra- in contradiction to what the Democrats have done all these decades that's actually creating jobs for black people, and they're noticing and his numbers are going up. So, I would, yeah, I don't I see would agree with you on Trump being a racist. That was not the question. The question was, are you surprised that Trump said the N-word? Yeah, I would be. Okay. Oh. Chris, Chris Bury, uh is this one of these 72-hour hot stories that's going to go away? I think so. I don't think this story has a huge shelf life because nothing that we've heard so far is very surprising. One could argue that uh, Amarosa and President Trump, in a way, deserve each other because mm-hmm. they both knew exactly what they were right. getting into. Mm-hmm. Trump knew who Amarosa was when he hired her off sure. a reality television program. Right. And she certainly knew um, who Trump was. Right. And she said the day after she was uh, fired that she did not hear him say anything racist in an interview on ABC News. Right. Now in her new book, um, she is claiming the opposite. So I, as a journalist, I take what she is saying now with a Morton 
salt you know, container, Rain. cylinder, uh, <laughs> cylinder yeah. full, of, full of salt. By the way, the reference that you have to that ABC uh, interview, uh, let's take a listen and look at it. Uh, this was uh, an interview with Amarosa shortly after she left the White House earlier this year. Do you think this president is racist? Absolutely not. I would never sit nor work for someone who I believe to be a racist. Okay, that was then. Now she's uh, out selling books, and uh, uh, she told TMZ she thinks the president is, is out to start a race war in America, and again, uh, she's, she's stirring the race card. But again, the big issue is does she have any credibility uh, in, in the African-American community? And, and even today, I mean, uh, Chris uh, or uh, Chuck Todd gave her a, a big uh, spread today on, the, on, the, uh, on Meet the Press. I don't think it was a softball interview. I think uh, he challenged her credibility pretty significantly. I, I didn't see her today i haven't heard the tape no one should be taping anything in the situation room i don't think that she has any credibility and i agree with i think what one of the points chris made and that is trump should never have hired her he he knew what he was getting into with her showing up in the white house i think many of us who were aware of her past are not surprised by this present and i don't think the story has any legs and the care by the way the characterization of amorosa when she became a household word, when she was on The Apprentice, I mean, the role that she willingly played was she, she was. She very played good. the B. That's she, what she, she played. She played the B, and, and it, was, it was good for ratings. Right. It made her famous. It didn't bring many people to her side, but she united a lot of people against her. Good we, for her and it, good for Trump. It, good for it was a win-win. It may win. be a, 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 right. a story that doesn't have legs, but I would caution she claims now that she has tapes uh, beyond the tape of the chief of staff, Kelly, firing her in the situation room, which right. is a violation of at least protocol, if right. not law. She claims to have other tapes. If those tapes come out and they are in some way newsworthy, then we're going to hear more from yeah. Amorosa. So she, why- claims, she, she claims that she has heard the tapes, mm. and she, she suggested that those tapes may be coming out in October or a little bit the later. from Access Hollywood. The, the tapes from that where he used the... That was uh, the supposedly end, on Access Hollywood. Uh, I, think, I think they were from The Apprentice. Oh, I'm, okay. they, they were from The Apprentice, but these tapes that she says allegedly exist, and she said that the White House is feverishly trying to track them down. But it's whether hard or not to believe they, that if they existed, that they when, everything, that, that, that when everything was combed over to, yeah. to, to take this guy this down is, during it, the election, that these wouldn't have come out. The, well, again, but to, but to something, this is something that was said right, at the time right. of the Access Hollywood tapes. Oh, you mean when they came out in October when of 2016? Access Hollywood tapes okay. came out. Let me just, this is okay. an important point. When the Access tape Hollywood, no one knows where those tapes came from. Everyone surmises they came from somebody at NBC or in the production office. But I heard at that time that there were a lot more questionable tapes that existed, but... Donald Trump, known for for uh, uh, challenging people with non-disclosure agreements, the people who have those tapes, if they exist, are very worried about gentlemen, the president. Gentlemen, okay. gentlemen, gentlemen. All right. If I Trump guess. got away with the P word, yes, offensive to women everywhere, yes. No. So what did Trump use the N-word? I, 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 I'm, I, not, I'm not saying will, he did. His base, <laughs> whether he did or not, 
his base will probably applaud that. Hold on, hold on. I said his base. I want to say, I want to go back to... It will be good media. No, no, no. How do you let the president of the United States, how do you let a man going into the presidency grab women by the P and get away with it? Because you have two options in an election. And you have the woman who was the rape enabler, okay, against the guy who shoots the his rape, mouth off. What? The rape enabler? Enab- you know, you might remember Hillary Bill Clinton's Clinton. great quote was, okay. you better put some ice we're on that. Right? No, yeah. We're talking about Trump. But you're talking about Trump. We're talking about the who choice. Running against. The choice of words. In the election, I get no, no, two no, no, choices, question, just if, like if everybody word, else. If the word comes out, it's good. Go ahead. Chris Roebling. There are two UNs in New York City. There's the one we all talk about, people like Chris Cover. And it's got a big building, and they all pass resolutions against Israel. The real UN in New York is construction and real estate. And this, whatever else may be said, whatever else may be said of Trump, he has, whatever it is, 30 or 35 years in that world, and there were no, zero complaints against him on the racism thing. Oh, that's, and there not, are, that's not true. There are because... zillions, and, and so far, it went so far... That he was honored with Rosa Parks. There was a lawsuit against yeah. the Trump company for uh, racially discriminating Rents. against that's uh, right. Rents right, right. in the So that, it's not that, that's it's not, that is an ancient lawsuit. It's not true. And that, that was there were, not there were that no was his father. That it's was ancient. not him. It's ancient, but again, it's no, part it, of the record. It, it, look, look, it might be true, but you, you don't know what your building managers are doing. You don't know what people farther down your organization are doing. It doesn't seem to have been a persistent. That type was of yeah, that was la- that was that was 2016. The idea that he's racist is a canard. Right? This is a canard, and I don't think that he's going to end up on tape using the N word, and I pray that he doesn't for the same reason. You know. There has to be some presidential dignity somewhere, Thank you. and I hope that he Thank is you. not on tape using the envelope. Oh, wait a second. But I don't believe a, a word that. Well, he won't be Amorosa the first. Said. He won't See, be the first president that, that said it. Well, Woodrow Wilson used Johnson it every day of, of his well, seven you know what, years some in office. Johnson said believable. it. Exactly, Johnson well, said. It. Lady and but he also passed the civil rights legislation. Is it believable? Thanks to Republicans. Listen, is it believable that a seventy-year-old man? at some point in his life, might have used that word. A 70-year-old white man. We all go to, you know, family parties and family gatherings, Christmases and Thanksgiving. Can anybody say, maybe with your exception, can anybody say they've never been in a family event where that word did not come up at some point? Not many Americans Americans can say that. Back shortly from Chicago, I'm Bruce Dumont. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. 
at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Rooster went back in Chicago, and uh, before we continue, I want to take a, a personal note. And again, if you are a Facebook follower of mine, you know about what I'm about to share with our radio and television audience. Uh, but my sister, 78 years old, uh, Donna, uh, passed away of cancer uh, this past Tuesday. And I, I had the, the opportunity to be there and visit with her for four or five days uh, last week. And uh, she's also been dealing with Alzheimer's. But we had a good, lucid conversation talking about things that she remembered. And again, it was a great conversation. And again, uh, she passed away at age 78, uh, Donna Ray Dumont Burns. And again, uh, for a lot of people listening in the program, uh, when, you, when you have a loved one, the most important thing for you to have when they pass is the peace and the comfort that you had what might be the last conversation where mm-hmm. each of you have said to the other person the important things in life that you want to be, you want said. And I heard that uh, from my sister's uh, voice, and she heard that from my voice, and so there was peace. And again, uh, she had stage four liver cancer, uh, she only had learned about it two weeks ago, so she suffered for two weeks, and uh, obviously uh, the morphine and the medication gave her an opportunity to die in peace. But again, uh, again, a lot of people, well over 300 people have responded uh, to my email post about that, and I want to thank you very much publicly, and uh, thank you very much. And also I want to thank my good friend uh, uh, Chris Roebling, who is here this evening, who is ready to sit in for this evening's broadcast. But again, the memorial service is uh, not yet planned because her husband of 43 years is also in hospice, and we wish George Burns, her longtime husband, we also wish him well uh, in the tight closing days of his life as well. So thank you very much. Let's go to Vicki in Springfield, Vermont, listening to us on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Hello, Vicki. Are you there? Vicki, are you gone? Going once, going twice. She is gone. <laughs> Uh, we talked about uh, the uh, taking the case to Trump. Michael Avenatti, who is the lawyer for Stormy Daniels, hmm. has said that he is considering a possible run for President of the United States. Oh, good. And Lord. before you all poo poo that idea, if you do, maybe you won't poo poo that idea, he said that the Democrats never have had someone that really can take the case. And he thinks that he can take the case to Donald Trump. And he was on uh, with Jonathan Carl on This Week on ABC Today. And if you didn't see the interview, uh, I would advise you to take a look at it. You know, frequently I'm, I'm criticizing some of the Sunday morning shows, but Jonathan Carl did a good interview with it. And I will tell you, I think Michael Avenatti could give Donald Trump a real run for his money. I don't think Michael Avenatti is going to be president of the United States. But in a Democratic primary, and by the way, he spoke on a variety of issues today. He came across to me as, as rather, not rather astute, fairly astute. And yet when he was turning the screws to Donald Trump, he was doing so in a very uh, efficient way. So I would say that Michael Avenatti, uh, in, a, in a primary debate, 
he will churn the ground that perhaps others in the Democratic Party, uh, they, will, they will gain from that. But I think the, the idea of Michael Avenatti in the race yeah. is, I, I want to hear from every, I want to hear from everybody. I, I, I think that By it's, the way, did you see the show? I didn't see Take the show, but I've seen, I will, I will go watch yeah. Avenatti. But, you know, he's a very smart guy. He's very articulate. He's very political. He's been involved in politics professionally for years in addition to his law business. Yeah. Close and friend of Rahm Emanuel. Close friend of Rahm Emanuel. And, and he goes for the jugular, just like Rahm does. And I think people ought to open themselves up to a whole lot of non-traditional candidates. Mm-hmm. And I think people, if, if they mm-hmm. haven't learned a lesson, and I believe this is part of the resentment that the press expresses every morning for Trump, they haven't learned the lesson that the, uh, the, the, the sort of the traditional opinion centers are not necessarily always right, mm-hmm. then they darn well better learn it because mm-hmm. the traditional opinion centers are not always right. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, not just Trump, One. but we've got this uh, socialist lady in Brooklyn and, and Queens, or I'm sorry, Queens and the Bronx, to show for it. Right. Cortez. I want to hear. Well, I'm going to agree with uh, Chris, Chris that in 2018, we would do ourselves no service by poo-pooing any candidate because I remember uh, in 2015 on some of the Sunday panels that Bruce talked about, uh, absolute laughter when Trump's name was, uh, mm-hmm. was mentioned. So I, I think that's a lesson that's worth learning for everybody in the news media. Um, I also agree um, with Bruce that um, he came across, and I did watch today, he came across uh, as a scrappy fighter. He's a, a trial lawyer. Articulate. And his <laughs> strategy, as he said, is to put Trump on trial. He is going to do a public prosecution of Trump. Um, he said that, you know, the, the, the Democrats um, need to hit back harder. The language he used was, uh, when they go low, we hit harder. And so uh, he is unusual in that sense. And um, I think he's somebody worth keeping an eye on. And someone, some pundit said his slogan is going to be after the storm. Yeah. Right. Quick one to you. Uh, one, one function Trump performed, which was clearing the decks of all this dead wood in the Republican Party that was out of touch with its base. And to have some young, very left people who are in touch with the Democrat base, it's not what I would ever vote for. But we, I hope we'll see a lot more people in that category and let them fight it out. I want to hear your response in the next hour to about Michael Avenatti as well, and as well as you, Ermain. We've got another full hour. We've got lots to talk about. I'm Bruce Dumont from coast to coast and border to border around the world on beyondthebeltway.com. I'm Bruce Dumont live from Chicago. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call 
Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. We continue. Thanks for joining us tonight. 1-800-723-8289, should you wish to uh, uh, join the conversation. Uh, One of the other uh, big sort of media stories that emerged uh, last week, this was all sort of tied into the anniversary of Charlottesville. Uh, and there was some demonstrations this afternoon about it. But again, it occurred when uh, Laura Ingram on Fox News uh, had some comments to make uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, she said, and uh, let me quote this, In major parts of the country, it does not seem that the America we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been fo- foisted on the American people and their, char- and, and their charges that none of us ever voted for, changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. And again, immediately after that, some of the, uh, the, the alt-right and David Duke of the Ku Klux Klan sort of rallied to her support. Uh, she asked, she denounced it. And then some of them took their tweets down. But again, it's created uh, quite a controversy, at least at uh, water coolers, I think, around the country. So my question to you is, 
did you, do you see anything wrong with what Laura Ingram said, Chris Robley? Well, I, I know that she says she wasn't talking racially, that she was talking about demographics. And so demographics, income, uh, earnings, occupation, education. There are a lot of different demographic indicators. The left, of course, has taken it as race-based, and they're attacking as usual. But I think that it points up kind of two things at once. Number one, in America, everybody can be welcome, and everybody has been welcome, and we've got people from everywhere, even in Chicago, let alone across the entire country. But number two, if there is a sense of bias, or if there is a sense of a system that is not working, or a system that is failing, and we've got, uh, there are 55 different tapes of Barack Obama saying, the immigration system is broken. And then you have 55 different tapes, actualities of Trump saying, the immigration system is broken. There are a lot of people who think it's broken, and then they see whatever it is that they see, and they draw their own conclusion. So we've got this great history of welcoming people from everywhere, but we've got almost unanimous opinion that our immigration system is broken. But her, but her point was that the, the changing face of America is, is less white, more black and brown or Asian around from, from around the world, and that uh, many Americans are uncomfortable with, uh, with that demographic change. That was the point I think she was trying to make. How do you feel about that? I think she made the point, and I think it is changing, and I think whites are uncomfortable with it. I think she told the truth. We, we, this country reacts so badly when someone says an honest, makes an honest racial statement. This is where we are. This is what we think. And then everybody gets very reactionary to it. It was honest. We need to have honest conversation. There's a guy at, um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, at uh, Yale University who's written a paper, Mm -hmm. and he calls it white space. And he says whites are very uncomfortable. The reason we're having some of this crazy crime that we're having is that when uh, black people get in what they call white space, White people react to it simply because they're not used to seeing a black person in that space. And so you call the police or you, you know, I'm going into my house and you don't know that uh, this is my house. I live here. Uh, You don't know that I go to Yale and I'm a student. So I'm sitting in the hall reading my books and they react to it. That's very true. That happens. We're looking at that. So Chris she Perry, made an honest statement. So what? How do you feel about uh, the, the, the statement and the controversy surrounding the statement by Laura Ingram? It struck me that she was pining for some simpler, whiter, Andy and Mayberry vision of America right. that has never really truly existed. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, for her, uh, it's a good ratings point. I think that David Duke interpreted it a certain way, speaks volumes about uh, the dog whistling that uh, Laura Ingram was doing. But look, we're sitting here tonight on the one-year anniversary of uh, Charlottesville. Uh, the alt-right had a demonstration that kind of petered out and went nowhere in Washington. But a year ago, you know, a young woman was killed, murdered, mm-hmm. uh, and 19 others were badly hurt by a, uh, a racist, white supremacist uh, mob. And the president of the United States uh, shortly thereafter said that there were good people on both sides. And I think this points to a larger problem is that President Trump seems to have a difficulty in calling out 
uh, racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, to say it's both sides or his statement um, yesterday that he abhors all all kinds of – the racism that we're seeing is very specific. It's directed against African-Americans and brown people. And we have a president who again and again has been given an opportunity to acknowledge that, and he has chosen not to do so. Michael Lotus. I think the one thing Laura Ingram said that, that's correct is she said the American people never got to make this decision because the law has been disregarded. Our, our immigration laws have been ignored by both parties, presidents of both parties, for as long as anyone can remember. So we never got to vote on who's going to come into our country. We have 11 million people here who are here illegally. And the U.S. government has a duty to enforce the law, and presidents of both parties, because of the interest groups that both of those parties represent, chose to let that happen. So she's right about that. And whether she's dreaming of it being like Mayberry again or something else, I don't know. But we didn't get to pick what it was going to be. We can't go back to the 1950s, and no one wants to anyway. Um, as to President Trump... Uh, do, we, do we pick by the people we vote for, however? Supposedly, but since they don't enforce the laws that they pass because they prefer not to... You end up with someone like Trump. I want to ask you a question that I asked our Republicans last week, uh, this for the uh, coming election in in November. Uh, If immigration is your issue and you want to crack down on immigration and the Republicans have been in control of the House and Senate, I know you're a little more moderate on the issue than a lot of the Trump base. But my question to you is, why should someone vote for a Republican when the Republicans have done nothing to address an issue of great concern to the president of the United States and, and, and many of his 62 million followers? I, I think the question you, – you phrase it as immigration. It's illegal. Immigration illegal is immigration. the problem. We don't want lawlessness. I will, I will state it again. Illegal immigration. But the Republicans have been in charge. Yes. And they have done nothing – to address a key issue but you see that put Trump, Donald Trump in the way. Trump is dragging this party, kicking and Don't screaming toward, 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 toward... Trump has been dragging his party, which he took over against the will of every significant Republican, towards making, taking this issue seriously. They didn't want to. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I think... I, I don't agree with your... the premise. I challenge your premise, Bruce, because uh, Trump spoke out on the issue as a candidate. He evoked support from the voters in the primary and then in the general as a candidate. Part of the support that he got was from the border security people who work for the United States government. The only, I think, public employee union to endorse Trump were the border guards. And since he came in, and I agree with you, this was not Congress, but you're talking about Republicans. He has effectuated. Right. He has effectuated considerable change in the administration of justice on the border, okay? And they've gotten to this zero-tolerance policy, and that might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. But he has done something. Congress, I agree with you, Paul Ryan and uh, the, the very weak majority in the Senate, has utterly failed to listen to the people who sent Trump or either to their uh, nominating convention to give him the nomination or to the White House. So my question to you is, why should those people that went and walked the walk for Donald Trump, why should they go out and walk the they're, walk they're, for they will go, They'll go backwards with Democrats, and if you elect a few more senators on the Republican side, if you hold the House, which looks very tenuous at this moment, but if you were to do those things, you'd gain things, you'd gain support on immigration. Okay, when we come back, I want to talk more about Laura Ingram's comment. 1-800-723-8289. Retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California. 
A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. Back in Chicago, thank you very much. Uh, Looking the other way, Uh, how do we want to look the other way? Hello, hello, (laughs) hello, folks. We're back on the air. Um, Let's talk. uh, You know, I mentioned in the last segment, in case you just tuned in, I mentioned that uh, Michael Avenatti, who is the attorney for Stormy Daniels, uh, was on uh, with uh, on on ABC today with Jonathan Carl, and uh, he was making a very strong case. He's considering, says the possibility he should be taken seriously as a candidate for president of the United States. And again, as someone, uh, he was answering lightning round questions about issues and uh, uh, I thought pretty specific. And he he made the case that the Democrats, uh, whoever's out there, is not going to make the case that he can make against uh, Donald Trump. And uh, Hermaine, you want to weigh in on that idea. I want to weigh in. First of all, let's recognize that Donald Trump has changed politics in America. Yes. Period. I don't care who you are, what party you are, what race you are, where you live. Donald Trump has changed the um, the political landscape. That's number one. Number two, look at who's winning these races. It is not the traditional candidate. It is the non-traditional, out of the box, didn't have a chance candidate who's winning. That goes. Barack Obama did not have a chance to win. He won. Donald Trump beat 18 people who were of the traditional philosophical Republican Party. He beat every one of them. Trump is a good communicator. Trump is the guy in the bar who has had enough drinks to say whatever's on his mind at all times on any subject, at, on anything. That's who Trump is. It comes out raw. It comes out cold. But it comes out. And he communicates with people where they are. Trump is sophisticated and savvy in the media, loves the media. All he wants to do is hear himself talk and watch, you know, what what you say and how you react to me on television. That's what it takes now. Now, if America is really serious about, oh, my God, we don't want Trump and we don't want this, which I'm not so sure that we are, he is a pop culture president. That's who he is. It will take somebody like this guy to take him on who will... Who Michael will, Avalani. Michael Avalani, who will just light into him, won't stop, who's probably as untraditional as Trump is in his way, and who comes from left field to beat him. He didn't come across as a guy from left field today. No, actually, he came across as very much a centrist because, yeah, um, right. as you mentioned, on the, the major... Issues, you know, he 
uh, believed in free but fair trade, kind of a traditional centrist approach. He said he voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, he said that he did not tax favor cuts. tax cuts. He did not favor abolishing ICE. So he certainly wasn't coming at this from uh, the left. Stylistically, I think that you're right. We've become accustomed and that's to, what I'm talking about. to a, uh, a f- more fiery, informal candidate. But there may also be a backlash to that. Uh, Governor Kasich was also mm-hmm. speaking today that you know he talks to Republicans who are tired of the chaos of this White House. And by the time, you know, who knows, because I don't want to get into outcomes of predicting them because journalists are horrible at, at doing that. But who, yes. but who knows, um, by the time the presidential election rolls around, Americans may very well be sick of seeing uh, the United States political system as a reality television show or a wrestling show, and they may want someone who is more traditional, yeah. more staid. Are you worried about that? I, mean, well, I hope you're it's, right, it's an important point but keep because in mind that's how the he other, won. Well, but, but I think, I think what, what, what Chris is referring to also is you know, whether you are thinking that there's going to be a blue wave in November or a red wave in November, one of the things that we found out, we found it out in, in Ohio's 12th the other night, is the, the, the real heart and soul is it isn't obviously the cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know that Trump is very popular in the rural areas, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's these suburban areas yeah. just beyond mm-hmm. the major cities, and these collar mm-hmm. communities yeah. are the and, ones where we were. They are soccer moms. They, are, they, they don't like... Rhetoric. They don't like you know poking somebody in the eye. They don't like yeah, chaos. Listen, I, they I don't I, like chaos. I, I'll confess. And so and these these are people that John Kasich spoke to mm-hmm. in sixteen. He didn't get many votes, but I, I didn't see Avenatti. But Chris said something fascinating. Okay, so if you're a Democrat and you want to win, uh, you got to get nominated, which means you got to keep the hardcore left of your party who are irate about Trump happy. But then you got to win the general election, which means you can't run as as you know as a socialist, really. I mean, even if you use the word, you have to have more moderate policies. Maybe Avenatti's smart enough to have come up with a, a way to do that. I placate the people on the left of my party by just being enemy number one of Donald Trump, but on on content, I'm nearer to the center. Aven- Avenatti today, in, in my view, he, he is more articulate. He doesn't have to look at notes. He knows his case. He's a trial lawyer. Mm-hmm. He wants to make his case mm-hmm. to, Demo- to Democratic voters, to the Trump haters or the semi-Trump haters. There are a lot of Trump haters. He can articulate that message. And again, as Chris just said, he doesn't cross, come across, at least today, as a flaming liberal. You can't mm-hmm. be painted that way. It's, it's, very, it's very clear right. that the next presidential election is going to be won by whoever can get the independence. So uh, mm-hmm. once you get to the general election, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pander to the left if you're a Democrat because you're going to get those people anyway. And what you need are the independent voters. And that's why these midterms are shaping up to be fascinating. We saw in Ohio 12, and we don't know the results yet because only 1,500 votes are separating the, the two candidates, but we, as Bruce suggested, these collar counties – um, are becoming very important, and women are turning out to be well, a decisive force in these races. You know, look, I, I, what we're, I, I think to look at it without candidates for a second, we're looking at peace and prosperity. Is there going to be peace? Who knows? What's going to happen with Iran? What's going to happen with North Korea? 
is there going to be prosperity? I think every month goes by, it looks like there's more and more prosperity. And I think that the reelect of Trump isn't going to be so much about what do you think of the guy running against Trump? It's going to be, did Trump deliver what he promised? And mm-hmm. I think as far as his base is concerned, notwithstanding the lily-livered liberal Republicans in Congress, mm-hmm. I think his base is going to pretty much say, we got what we wanted. And I think the question is going to be if the economic I, I, growth reaches enough communities, both traditional and non-traditional. Mm-hmm. But there's no question Trump has a potentially fatal weakness with college-educated suburban women. And if he would shape up with respect to how he talks about his ideas, and if he would put some distance between himself and some of these horrible recordings and things like that, I think that a lot of those suburban moms would say, you know what, I see in my family, I see in my neighborhood more prosperity and that's not so bad. I, for, the, for the average guy or woman, is the Stormy Daniels issue one that's going to stick around? Does it have legs? I, I, I don't Stormy think. Stormy have legs. We know. I don't think. I think no, she I, got legs. <laughs> this whole, the thing with the Stormy Daniels story is it's not inconsistent with what anybody sort of already knew about Donald Trump and his crazy personal life and being a media figure and in Hollywood and everything. So I don't think it hurts him or, or helps him with the people who already hate him or, are, or already like him. But um, the uh, – geez, I lost the thread here. Suburban women. Yeah, sub- suburban women. I, I, I don't think um, – we can't predict what's going to happen in 2020. A lot of it will turn on, on the, um, the condition of the economy. But one prediction I think I can make, which contradicts Chris a little, is Trump's not going to change, okay? He's right. not going right. to do it differently. No, He's not going to tone I things agree. down. He's not going to stop tweeting. And everyone who likes him – and right. is in despair when these things come out, is going to have days of misery all the time between now and the next election. It's yeah, just going to happen. Those... Daniels, I absolutely agree. I don't think that's going to be wash. a factor. Yeah. But here is what could um, be a, a real problem, and that is uh, what can be perceived as a culture of corruption. We had Chris Collins, the very first House member, to come out in support of Trump, very close to Trump personally, Uh, arrested by the FBI, indicted on insider trading charges. Uh, We've had now the secretary. That uh, has uh, nothing. uh, That is not. Wait, wait. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm talking about a culture of corruption. corruption. Of the the people that are close. Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Let me finish here. Chris Bury. (laughs) Some of the people who have been very close to Trump um, are in big trouble. Uh, Tom Price, the head of Health and Human Services, forced out for corruption. Scott Pruitt forced out for corruption. Uh, David Shulkin, forced out for abusing government money. Chris Collins was tweeting insider trading tips from the lawn of the White House. There is definitely a sense, and the Democrats are seizing upon this, that a lot of the people Trump has either hired or associated with himself um, are people of rotten character, and that's clear as a bell, Chris. So I couldn't disagree with you more on that. But he got rid of them. Well, C- Collins. Yeah, I mean, Collins is gone. Pruitt is gone. I mean, every Collins, you know, the Fed's got. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Pruitt, Pruitt gone. stayed on for, Price for many, gone. many months. Pruitt is gone. <laughs> I, look, I I think that if there were real Chicago-style corruption, that would be a problem. So far, I don't think that this is a big issue. I think that it's one of many, in my opinion, fantasies that the media has 
want to These are take facts, down. Chris. These aren't fantasies. No, no. The fantasy is that it is becoming a colligatory concept that defines the Trump administration. And it isn't. No, I'm saying what, that, what, I'm the, saying the, that the is real, what the Democrats the real are con- going to use. And the, I think that that's and, got some and resonance. It does, I, I, and I disagree. I think what has resonance is people seeing jobs and people seeing growth and people seeing the economy turn around. And they are, a lot of these Trump I, voters are getting slammed by tariffs, so the economy is not uh, a one-way street I, I, picture. I, I, I mean, I, I just came back from Wisconsin. Okay, the aluminum uh, boat makers are getting killed. Cranberry farmers are getting killed. Harley Davidson's getting killed. So a lot of these tariffs are affecting okay. the Trump electorate. There's, so there's, the, the, economy, the tariffs are but, negotiated. But but point. to say that you know the economy is all roses for Trump voters, uh, doesn't. Hold to reality. We've got a pause. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly from Chicago. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, we have Chris Robling with us. We have uh, uh, Chris Bury. We have the ever popular. Um, <laughs> got my name, Hermine Hartman. Hello. That's right. <laughs> And Michael Lotus, thank you very much. I'm having a little senior moment tonight. But anyway, back to uh, looking at presidential politics. Um, But I think before we go to the presidential politics situation, I want to get from Chris Bury. Uh, It looks like at this moment that it will probably not be a a great night for Republican members of the House uh, this fall. And it looks like possibly they uh, might uh, lose control. would it be better for Donald Trump maybe to have at least one house to run against since he's he's not getting everything he wants out of the Republican House? Would this well, be good know, for him for two years? Well, you know, it, it was successful for, for Bill Clinton uh, after Gingrich took over the House in 94. They developed this strategy called triangulation uh, where, you know, they pitted the the White House against both uh, houses of Congress. So we'll see. The big problem, I think, for Trump, should the Democrats take the House, is comes down to one word, subpoena. Uh, the, the House Democrats will have subpoena power. Um, they will be able to subpoena such things as Trump's tax records, possibly. Um, so I think that there is a jeopardy for Donald Trump uh, in terms of Democrats taking over the House, whether they'll, they'll do it, who knows. Uh, it's, again, it's very hard to predict these things, but I think Democrats are encouraged by what they've seen in some of these special elections. You know, Democrats will, if if they take the House, they'll take the chairmanships, and they will have subpoena powers, and the subpoenas from the Democrat committees, Democrat-led committees in the United States House of Representatives, will be given precisely the same treatment by the Trump administration 
that Obama and his administration gave to subpoenas from the Republican House of Representatives. And this, unfortunately, represents the decay of the American political order, that the rule of law uh, in the hands of these guys has become really a questionable proposition because uh, people are not complying with valid subpoenas. And I, I would say it was more egregious under Obama than anybody else. But the moment these houses flip, if, if one, I don't think the Senate, I think the Senate is actually going to see more Republicans. And I think the House is probably at this. If the election were held tomorrow, the House would go Democrat. Yeah. Whether it goes Democrat in November, I don't know. But the, the, the breakdown in the rule of law between Congress and the administration, which on which every one of us, whether you're liberal or conservative, Republican, Democrat, or whatever, you know, state of Washington, Florida, doesn't matter. All of us depend on it, and it's, in these respects, out the window. But, sadly. Chris, let's be real. Whoever is in the majority is going to take advantage of the, the power that they have. And we certainly saw uh, Republicans use the subpoena power against Democratic presidents. Um, they impeached. President Clinton for lying under oath about sex. So it's not at all hard to see uh, the uh, House Democrats, if they take over, uh, investigating Trump with the same rigor that Republicans did Bill Clinton. Question for the Democrats. Do you think the Democrat base, which is motivated by just they can't, they hate Donald Trump, will, if they are a majority, will they insist on an impeachment? I think it depends on what Robert Mueller comes up with in his Inquiry. I mean, I think that we don't know what Mueller has. What All he, we have so far. Evanati answered that question. Evanati did not say that impeachment is necessarily a good idea. He says it all depends on what Mueller comes back with. Democrats so, want to avoid it. I, yeah. I mean, agree. And it's a bad issue for them because American no. public is sick the, the, and tired of it. So they have the to professionals compete. Professionals don't want to well, do I it. Want, I want but I'm right. asking if the base is going to be so. Let's assume that Mueller doesn't come up with anything much more than we already know about. Is the base just still going to say, we hate this guy, we gave you a majority, we expect you to do this? I want to I ask Tremaine Hartman to, to respond to this. Within the base of the Democratic Party, there is the base of African-American support all of the United States, which is universally terrific for the Democrats. Donald Trump only got 8%. In the African-American community, where you do travel, and you travel in all communities, but what do they say about impeachment? What do they say about the Mueller report? What do they say about all the investigations of Russian meddling or, or collusion? What do they say? They say Trump is guilty as charged. <laughs> they say Trump is crazy. And they say we need Obama back in the White House. Well, that's not going to happen. And that's not, not – well, you asked them what they said. Yeah. Okay. That's what they say. Um, Does um, Donald Trump get any credit for – the lowest unemployment rate with African Americans, no. which was even approved by AB, uh, no. confirmed by ABC. No, News I don't think he gets credit for for that at all. Should he? Yeah, he probably should, but I think it's a piggyback off of Obama. I'm not so sure it's a hundred percent Trump. I think it's a piggyback off of off of Obama. If I think if Trump would, this is what I've seen. I think if Trump would direct attention to black America with solutions to some problems, I think he has an opportunity. Instead, what he does is insult African-Americans. Stop insulting. Uh, from LeBron James to Don Lemon to Maxine stop Waters. Stop that. Uh, and, and that is 
uh, culturally, I believe, far more important it's uh, to, to many African-Americans than, right. than, than whatever the unemployment figure is. Maxine Waters is out of line, but Trump is making racially charged Trump is not there insults against prominent African-Americans, and I think that has a certain amount of weight among African-American voters. Would you acknowledge that Maxine Waters is making racially charged comments against the President of the United States? I haven't seen those. I haven't seen those. But I have heard what Trump has said about LeBron, what he said about Don Lemon, what he said about Maxine. Whenever he calls someone low IQ or dumb or stupid, they tend to be either African-American or women, and that's pretty clear. Or low-life. Stop attacking. I think he's called all kinds of people pretty dumb, including lots of white Republicans. If you know anything from the primaries, if if you say anything against Donald Trump, he's going to... but Turn the fire ten. So let, let me tell you something. Hold on, let me, hold on a second. Let me, let, let, me tell you some, let me tell you something. You are not going to attack prominent black folks and they're going to go away and cry. You're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. They're going to attack him back in some shape, form, or fashion. Well, it, in it gives the Sharpton co- more turnout. Say what? It, it, it gives the anti-Trump leaders in the black community more Turnout. It gives them voice. It, it, exactly. If he's attacking, he's elevating Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters deserves richly to be ignored by the president, whether the president Barack Obama or or George Bush or Donald Trump or Avenatti. Let me. There let, are folks out there who deserve to be ignored. Let me tell you something. There is in the black community. There is a game that teenagers play. Every generation has played it. It's called signifying. So anything you say. Oh, you're ugly because of your mama. You're dumb because of your mama. You're poor because of your mama. It's your mama, your mama, your mama. It's signifying. Trump has mastered signifying. He just takes a jab, low blow, at anybody. Oh, he called Amarosa today. She's now, she said what she said. She's now a low life. You make fun of Don Lemon. All of a sudden, he's dumb. And it goes on and on and on. There will be someday a black person. It might be a Jesse Jackson. It might, who will play Trump's game with him, and they will crush him. Well, who is it going to be? I don't know. Cory Booker? No. Camilla Harris? Cory won't play signifying. I'm talking about, you know how Michelle says, you go low, I go high. Yeah. Everybody doesn't subscribe to that. You hit me, I hit you back. But who's going to do it? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Remains to but when, force. <clears throat> when you say, by the way, I want to I want to go. I, I want to get to another serious issue that we have talked about on this program a lot, and that is people around the country. It's it's the the murder rate and the shooting rate in Chicago. We had over seventy five people shot. A weekend ago, mm-hmm. I think it was only twenty this past weekend. We don't we don't get the Numbers we don't get the down, crime right? report until about Tuesday in Chicago. But uh, most of the people who have been shot and killed black. have been black. Mm-hmm. Okay, what in your view must the black community do to improve the situation and to stop violence in their own community? What do they? What must they do? Black men must step up and take charge of little boys, black men everywhere, ministers, teachers, um, Joe Blow on the street must stand up to black boys 
and take charge of them. Why haven't they done it? I don't know. I can't answer that because I don't know. I think one, one, well, let me give you two reasons. One reason is children are having children. We've got older children raising children. Right. That's one problem. And so maybe daddy is not in the household, da, 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 da. Yeah, That's a reason. But here's un- another reason. mothers are at 78%. Okay. They used to be at 17% in the 50s. So now here's a, here, so Monaghan's report became true. Right. So here's another reason. When you look at where foundation funding goes to look at uh, Stop the Violence programs, where does it go? It does not go in the black community for black men to handle black children. It goes to white organizations, to white men, to handle black people. That's not working. That's not going to work. You can't keep funding the YMCA and the boys club to say, come here, little girls and boys, let's jump rope and let's play basketball and let's swim and everything's going to be all right. That's not true. These kids need uh, training. These kids need, need parenting. And these kids need whippings. Whoopings. Whippings. Whippings. Whooping. You're, you're bad. A whooping. A whipping. Okay. I got whippings, Chris. Mm. Well, I got whooped. A lot okay. of people won't agree with that, but that's, that's your opinion. one 800 We will continue this conversation when we roll on from Chicago. Wherever you're listening from coast to coast and border to border around the world, thanks for joining us tonight. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Chris Bury, uh, during the break, you mentioned that uh, you were recently at a funeral involving uh, where, where Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, spoke uh, for, this to, was a, for the parents. This was two summers ago. I was doing a, um, a segment for PBS NewsHour when we were going through a very similar summer of Chicago violence in 2016. And um, so a funeral for a young African-American boy who was caught in the crossfire. This is a great kid. Um, absolutely an innocent victim. Uh, s- shortly after, Hadai H- Pendleton uh, was, was also an innocent victim. And Rahm Emanuel came. Uh, we didn't know he was going to be at the church. He came unannounced. We were, we were filming the service anyway because of the circumstances of this uh, teenager's death. Rahm came unannounced, gave an incredibly emotional um, talk where he blamed uh, the fathers for some of the violence that was going on. And what struck me, because I had seen Rahm Emanuel been criticized for this so much, the white politician talking about values, which gets attacked uh, almost immediately, 
What struck me was the, the men and women in this congregation were all nodding. They were all clapping their hands. They were all shouting affirmations. And it, it truly struck a chord. So um, I think it's problematic for white politicians to talk about values. But when you're the mayor of a city like Chicago that is riven <coughs> by gun violence, it's also your duty, and you have to, I think, weather the cr- <coughs> criticism um, that you can't somehow m- make these statements because you're white. Right. Well, but I, we also, don't- I, also, I also think that, again, uh, <coughs> I, I've known Rom for probably over 30 years, and I think when you see him on television in these, in, in these moments, he frequently tears up or, or he becomes emotional. I mean, these things really bother him. And again, the, the, the lack of family support or the breakdown of the American family, uh, he really believes that. Now, though, there are people who are right of center, and I think there are people left of center mm-hmm. that agree with that. And again, I think there are, there are people of color and non-color who, you know, who, who, do the, who feel the same way. And as you say, it used to be when before Bill Cosby and his reputation were besmirched for other reasons. When Bill Cosby talked about right. this, he got he, he, hammered. He, he got hammered. From so it. I think Jesse Jackson at times got hammered because of it. And you say that when you speak like this on the radio or in the pages of Indigo, you get you get letters to the. Editor. So I think here's the thing. I think everybody has to stay in their lane. We're not looking for Mayor Rahm Emanuel to be Rabbi Emanuel. We're looking for him to be mayor. That means take charge and do something. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for the mayor to come and give us a case on morality or parenting. That is not his role. That's what happened with Cosby. Cosby, you're the TV father. Don't get out of your role and start telling everybody what to do. Stay in your lane. Well, that's I, what that's what happens. Jesse Jesse Jackson's been doing this for twenty years. When Minister Farrakhan says this to black people, is you little boys will not run this community. Then you all go nuts on him because oh my God, Farrakhan said this, Farrakhan said that. But he insists on a discipline. You never see Muslim children getting black Muslim children. I'm talking about the Farrakhan people. They don't get in trouble. Right. They don't do bad. They don't do wrong. But they are a closed knit society do kind you, of group. Do you feel that professional athletes have a greater responsibility? to speak out against this violence. Now, obviously, uh, the, the kneeling at football games is really about police brutality and the treatment of blacks by law enforcement around the United States. Do you think they should go beyond that and get into the issue of the number of blacks that are being killed by other blacks? See, should that become an issue that they use their celebrity, you know, beyond Sundays, to use their celebrity to speak on some of these issues? So, again, stay in your lane. That is something that they could do as uh, extra uh, activity after they get through playing ball. But look at what just happened to uh, 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 James. He opened up a school. Yes. All right. He's done a very good deed. He's opened up the school. Everything is free. The kids go to school for free. They get a bike. They get a laptop. They get everything. Look at what your president said. That's right. The The, the reaction of LeBron James. I want to talk about the lane thing. I mean, the Democratic Party has a lane. That's right. And the Democratic elected representatives in Congress have a lane. And they have done, in my humble opinion, precious little to address these issues. Nor 
have the local Democratic parties. And the, the, the centers of this violence happen to be, sadly, coterminous with jurisdictions that are almost entirely dominated by Democrat elected officials. Now, it, it, is, it, it is for yeah, by, decades by, by that logic, decades. then Republicans are all to blame for the opioid crisis in rural America. No, no, no. I think, that, I think what it's we're not, talking it's about It's not a political issue. This it is, is a, a political no, issue because no, no, there are – It's not. It is a political It's an issue. integrated issue. It's, it, it, is, it is a social issue – and there is no, you can't, it's no blame game. It's I, what, look, here's, let me give you what the, you, let me talk, give you, you let me you give you. Senator Moynihan. Let me give Moynihan, you, I didn't give you Senator Moynihan. I was talking about research Moynihan. Let, let me, let me say this. If you look at, if you want to look at this politically, the Democrats have put Band-Aid on black problems for years. Like it's going to go away. And they come at election time only. You talked about Rahm and the church. That was probably an election time. Actually, election it wasn't. Time. It wasn't. Okay, well, good for him. He comes around. All the politicians come around. You go to the church election time. What do you do when it's not Black History Month? What do you do when it's not election time? Where are you then? Why don't you bring the community inside the tent to say, hey, guys, we got a problem what do we do? We have a problem right now. We are out of time. Thank you all for your That's great conversations <laughs> this evening. Hermaine Hartman, Chris Bury, we thank you very much. And Chris Roebling, we thanks very much. And Michael, thank you very much for being with thanks us as well. Us. Michael Lotus. There you go. Michael Lotus, thank you for being with us. <laughs> Our thanks to uh, Fritz Goldman and Dan Dorfman and Sam Greenberg for their sus- uh, acceptance of this program, support for this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. I'll get my teeth fixed next week. So long from <laughs> Chicago. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. 
Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Hollywood. 